0: Warning, this episode contains adult language and content. They say the pen is mightier, but in whose hands? So we'll pit two stories head to head and find out which one lands. While three sham writers haven't read... Films and TV shows to make a pitch Then off you go to write what you don't know This is Sham Fiction The show where
1: two writers cross pens in a duel To write what they don't know
0: Now, here's your host, Eric Carlson
1: That's right, it is Sham Fiction I am Eric Carlson, it's happening Welcome to another Fantastic episode of Sham Fiction, colon, a writing podcast. <laughs> that is technically the name of the show. Anyway, hello, welcome. Uh, I am joined this week by two wonderful writers, the same two wonderful writers that I see every week. We have a Monsieur Marisman. Oui, oui. And we have a, a Mademoiselle Anzronil. Woohoo! <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, very, very good French giggle. I, bon. I am that.
2: very coquettish. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> you
1: are. All right, your bonus points. Use that word in your sham. Done. Ooh. All right, bonus points. Haven't seen those in a while. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this week we're talking about a novel. A novel novel. Actually, it's a couple of years old at this point called Mr. Mercedes. This is a Stephen king novel we love our stephen king hey, here at the show and uh it's because he writes so much and they're all so good that it's easy to find things that uh, the three of us have not all read he's no jimmy shive overly that's <laughs> for <laughs> sure to as a callback for you're the worst
0: hey thank you for that
1: <sighs> uh what two weeks ago two weeks ago i keep wanting to say last week two weeks ago uh anywho uh, this is a thing. This is a book that was recommended to me by a friend. Um, she actually uh, lent me the book, and I read it, and it was fantastic. It's a very different for a Stephen King novel. It's kind of a you know kind of this gumshoe detective story. Oh, huh. though, though uh, I can save the details when uh, yes. we get to it. But just so you know, this is part of a series. Uh, it goes Mr. Mercedes, followed by Finders Keepers, and then. End of Watch. Hmm. And I just found out today, had not heard about this at all, that there is a Mr. Mercedes television series that That's just came aired? out. Oh. Yeah, in 2017, it aired. It's on uh, its on a network I had actually never heard of called the Audience Network.
2: Interesting. Oh. Which yeah. is
1: apparently a thing. But anyway, they got the rights. They made a show. Have no idea if it's any good... Um, but they've done one season, and they it looks like they will be doing um you know the the other novels in the series as subsequent seasons uh but here's the takeaway uh from that t v series is that it stars Brendan Gleason
2: oh what yeah, yeah, Brendan Gleason, I assume
1: doing an American accent which
2: i I mean I would pay to see that'd be interesting I can't quite. You know, Picture that in my ears. Um, but uh, he's uh, <laughs> fantastic. And mm-hmm. uh, how have we not heard of this? That's I know,
1: it's it's crazy. It's like it's the Stephen King adaptation. I know there's a lot of those. But you'd, you'd think that yeah. uh, you would have heard of this. Is this, far, yeah.
3: is this tied to another Stephen King series? Is this like a spinoff or something? Not as far as I'm aware. Okay.
1: From what I've read about this is that it's a very very a very different thing for king um so it's not really genre in in the sense that it's not like doesn't have like fantasy elements it's not really supernatural it's very different um still freaky and disturbing but i'll get to that when was it released how old is this this is a novel and i just left the wikipedia page that would tell me this information we do all of our research here at sham fiction on wikipedia it was published in 2014
2: okay Ah. not that long ago so pretty recent
1: but all three of these books have come out of course because stephen king unlike some of our favorite writers actually writes anyway trust
0: yeah trust
2: yeah not like jimmy what's his name jimmy shive overlay (laughs) jimmy shive overlay fake writer fake character
1: (laughs) from a fake show (laughs) real show oh that's right show. (laughs) known real show. From Oscar <laughs> winner uh, The Shape of the
0: Water. <laughs> 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 Can I just insert something? Yeah, uh, I'm just going to insert something. I saw a trailer for a movie this week. The name of the movie is Winchester. And in, it's it's based on the, the Winchester Mystery House out in California. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and in the trailer it says uh, this new movie based on a real house. <laughs> It literally says that in the trailer, and I burst out laughing in public because that was ridiculous. That's so good. Sorry, I just wanted to say that.
1: Uh, Well, this novel, Mr. Mercedes, not based on a real house. (laughs) But let's uh, let's get into it, shall we? Are you guys ready to hear about Mr. Mercedes? Oh, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Let's get uh, a timer, shall we?
0: Pitch session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, let's jam.
1: All right, Mr. Mercedes is all about Bill Hodges, who is a retired police detective retired. He'd been on the force for 40 years. He used to have a have a drinking problem. he's divorced, he's kind of lonely. He spends his retirement now for the last six months on his lazy boy, watching daytime TV. And playing with his father's pistol. Ooh. With the understanding that one of these days, he's probably going to put it in his mouth and pull the trigger. Oh, uh, man. Not exactly a happy fella. Because what do you do when you retire? You lose you lose your life. You just sit around watching daytime TV. It's enough to drive a man crazy. Am I right?
0: Uh, you, yep. We all as, know as retiree, from experience. <laughs> as yep. a retiree, I can yep. vouch.
1: Mm -hmm. but then you know what happens he gets a letter oh it's four pages long typed like typed up on a computer and printed out it's addressed to debt kermit william hodges his first name's actually kermit everybody calls him bill uh debt kermit william hodges ret retired the author claims to be the perpetrator of a mass murder that happened about a year before Uh, It's one of Bill Hodges' last cases before he retired, actually. Uh, But this guy was never caught. He's known as the Mercedes killer
0: Hmm.
1: because he plowed a stolen Mercedes Benz into a crowd of people waiting in line for a job fair. I think he killed eight people in this maneuver. Yeah dark dark terrible stuff but Mm -hmm. this was one of bill hodges's last cases never solved it never found the perp uh and then he retired so he gets this letter from the guy who did it Hmm. um and uh bill hodges he's intrigued by this this is this is a way to break up the monotony of retired life See the letter it's boastful it's like it's like a goading attempt to try to drive Hodge's crazy like pointing out like oh yeah you couldn't catch me you couldn't do it you just now you're just sitting on your ass playing with your father's gun <gasps> watching daytime TV shows Wait it says that the letter it actually says, says that. that Oh he knows what he's been up to. Hey um Mention and he mentions in the letter like the staggering stats about the percentage of retired cops that end up committing suicide. Basically, goading this guy into killing himself, Ooh. right? In this letter, yeah, Be like basically saying you're a failure. You should just you should just off yourself. What's the point? But the letter, instead of uh, instead of uh, making Hodges feel like a failure or anything, it just invigorates him. For the first time in like six months, he gets a good night's sleep. And wakes up, makes a full breakfast, and he's on it. Suddenly, he's got himself a case. See, the Mercedes killer, I'll just shift gears a little bit, uh, is actually the other POV character in this book. We got Bill Hodges on one side. The ah. other POV is uh, the Mercedes killer, whose real name is Brady Hartfield. Uh, he's in his late 20s. He lives with his mother. Has kind of a really screwed up relationship with his mother. As you do. <laughs> he uh, works at an, like, an electronics shop in the day. And, and then he moonlights, actually, as uh, the operator of an ice cream truck.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: and he's a total psychopath. Just a monster. Just, just, yeah. Like, he's the sort of guy where you'd think, like, okay, he's a little weird. But he he's good enough at faking, like, social interaction that he can get by, like people wouldn't expect that he's going to be a, a mass murderer.
0: Four minutes uh, remaining.
1: But, ooh, but that's him. um So he actually he's he's killed more than this once, as it turns out. He did the he you know rammed the car into the crowd of people and then got away. Uh, but he actually managed to goad someone else into killing themselves in the same way that he's trying to do with Hodges. Uh, and it was the owner of the Mercedes that he stole. Mm. It was, uh, the owner's name is Olivia Trelawney. Um, she felt guilty since it was her car that basically even though she wasn't behind the wheel she felt guilty about it and uh brady using his position at the electronics store actually managed to get into her computer and plant like these creepy noises like the voices of like the victims of the car so she thought she was being haunted by these people and she killed herself oh wow really sad but he's very proud of that one um, so Hodges, he he's investigating the Mercedes killer on his own. He doesn't go to the cops because he knows it would just get taken away from him. He'd be retired. He'd be bored again. Um, and he ends up meeting Olivia's sister, the owner of the car's sister, Janie, and they start spending time together, working on this case. She's you know pushing him on to you know find out who the killer was because she needs closure. Um, but then this this romance starts blossoming between the two of them. You know, she's a bit younger than him. He knows that she's way out of his league, but they 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 form this bond that's that's really, really kind of cute um, and very unexpected for a man in his like late 60s who wouldn't ever expect anything like that to ever happen to him again. Mm -hmm. Um, Other characters that are worth knowing about. We got Jerome, who is a young neighbor of Hodges, who's smart and computer savvy. So helps him out with some of the computer side of this investigation Um, has been helping him by doing like household chores for the last couple of years. Just a good neighborhood kid. Um, And then we got Holly, who is Janie's cousin. But she's like this, this really interesting character because she's like emotionally unstable and like has been deemed to not be able to take care of herself. Like she doesn't live on her own. She's in her 40s. What was that? Ooh, almost done. Um, Two minutes. Um, And so she's about 40 years old, but still lives with her parents since she can't really take care of herself, but she's sharp. She just is emotionally unstable and has some issues. Um, And they all get kind of wrapped up into this investigation when things get kind of personal. I won't say how they get personal, but they basically all get drawn in. So it's Hodges uh, teaming up with Janie, jerome and holly to try to track down the mercedes killer and then on the other side you have the mercedes killer himself uh brady um who's basically just trying to kill hodges like he's trying to goad him into killing himself but when that doesn't work he moves on to harsher methods you know this is not a healthy healthy man um so it's this hard-boiled detective story with a lot of personal stakes Uh Um, it doesn't really feature. Remaining. Doesn't really feature any of Stephen King's usual kind of paranormal or, or fantastical elements. Um, it's still really disturbing. Like there's some really screwed up stuff that happens in this novel that is very dark and very King-esque, um, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it connects to like his other
3: works in some the same more, like, way. Or like Misery, maybe.
1: Yeah, that would that would uh, be more in line. I haven't read misery but I can imagine it's kind of more in that line um, so if you need any direction to take on Brady's character the killer basically just imagine like the most screwed up thing you can and you'll be <laughs> on the right track. He's just a really really effed up individual sure. and yeah that's that's what's happening in uh, Mr. Mercedes we got time to spare. Ooh! Yeah. didn't
3: want to give away the mystery
1: didn't want to give too much Time's away up. there it is that is uh I think that's all you need to know I think that sets up the case that sets up the basics of the characters so if you want to know any more about these characters uh, feel free to ask we'll do a little two two minute Q&A for each of you Oof. and uh, I guess I'll just flip a little imaginary coin flip oh it's in the air it's in the air and we're going to start with Andrew Neal.
2: Oh hey! I was I was gonna I'm not I was gonna criticize you for calling out that it's imaginary, but I won't because I'm going first. <laughs> Yay! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It
1: worked in your favor. the The imaginary flip was in your imaginary favor. Yay. So, Marcus, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out. You're just gonna get out. You can't listen
3: to any of Andrew's questions. Not listening. None
1: of mine answers. Mine answers. <laughs> mine answers. But uh, come back in about two minutes. And I'm gonna, we'll, it's gonna spend
3: two minutes writing a not creepy letter to you. Don't worry about it.
1: Fantastic, love it. All right, <laughs> let's put that timer on the board.
2: Two minute Q and A begin. Okay, so how does uh, Hartley? Is that his name, Hartley? Uh, Hart Hartfield. Hartfield. Wait, um, hold on. Are we,
1: are we talking about the, the killer, the
2: detective? The killer. Oh yeah. So it's how, so the Brady killer Hartfield drives a ice cream truck.
0: Yes. How does does he does he use that to lure lure victims? No, actually.
1: He uses it as a method of surveillance because he can drive by Hodges's place once or twice a day and he'll never notice and be able oh. to watch him through his front window. Okay.
2: And so you said with Hodges, he's developing a romantic relationship with Janie?
1: Yes. Yes. Romantic? They, they start dating, basically.
2: Okay. How old is she? She is probably
1: in her mid-40s. And he's in his, like, mid-60s. What does she do? Actually, she might be closer to 50, but either way. uh, I don't actually remember what she does. Sad to say. Okay,
2: no, that's all right. It's Um, been a
1: while since I've actually read this. I apologize.
2: No, and um, so in terms of for the book itself, the viewpoint stays with those two characters. We don't go into the minds of the other characters. That is correct
1: from my recollection. We do Actually, we do have, like, Stray once in a while. Like, there are special chapters that are... You know, maybe the point of view of like a victim in the beginning of the book, but for the most part it is these two.
2: Okay. And has um the killer committed other crimes um in a similar fashion to the Mercedes killing? Is uh, that like not? his ammo? No, not at
1: all similar. He has killed before that as well, but not using a car. That was brand new. Okay. And he himself was driving the car. Yes. Okay. He stole the car, he drove it into the crowd.
2: And it was a job fair?
1: Uh yep. It was like standing outside before the job fair
2: opened. Okay, did he have any personal connection to that? Nope, he just wanted to kill some people. Okay, and what does his mom do? Is she an older woman, or like a much older woman, or...
0: Um, Time's up. Well, well,
2: not gonna find out. Can't tell ya, sorry can't bud. okay. do it. That's okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about this. These are good elements to work off of for a story like this. And please, just make it dark. Oh,
1: oh, oh, most definitely. And make it serious. I don't yeah. want to laugh during this one. I wanna, I wanna get punched in the gut.
2: All right, all right, yeah. No, it's it's Stephen King. People are the worst. People mm-hmm. are the, the real monsters. So true. yeah, I am gonna, I'm gonna scoot and get to working on this story here. All right, send Marcus in while you're while you're leaving. All right, Marcus, your turn. Oh, I like my turn.
1: Oh hey, Marcus, are you uh, armed with some questions for me?
3: I'm gonna do my level best.
1: Fantastic whenever let's get that uh let's get that thing on the thing uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like timer.
0: Begin. all
3: right so who else is in hodge's life
1: uh doesn't really have much he's got an ex-partner um he's got you know buddies buddy cops that are still in the force that he sees like maybe once a week but that's okay. it and then like the neighbor kid
3: and what kind of skills set Hodges apart? So, like, what is he good at, and why wasn't he able to solve the Mercedes murder? The only reason he didn't solve
1: it was because it was time to retire. He had his 40 years, so he's out. Too old. Um, but his skills, I mean, he's just a good detective. You know, he's a smart guy. He's not really passionate. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't get emotionally entangled in things. He's just very serious, and he knows how to do the job by the book.
3: Has he ever killed anyone? Uh, oh, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, it's in the line of, the of duty. Job. Yes.
3: Okay, so he's got no qualms there. He's no. just getting this done. Mm-hmm. Uh, when does this take place? Is this modern times? This is modern times. Yeah. So I'm trying I'd to think of 2013. Yeah. Probably. How Mercedes killer escaped? Do we have any knowledge on that? Like, how do you get out of that? So he he plowed through the crowd and then managed
1: to take off in the car. Still didn't wreck it enough. Left and then abandoned it somewhere and took off. Okay. So
3: they found the car later on, and what what's our dynamic switching between these two uh, viewpoint characters? Like, so what what are we getting out of cutting away from most of our characters to see into Brady's mind? Thirty seconds remaining. Um, it's
1: just. Um, You get to kind of see them put the
3: pieces together.
1: Like, you, as the reader, you know the truth. There's, like, some dramatic irony there where you know that Bill is lacking some information here. You know that Brady's lacking some information here. But it's satisfying to see them put the correct pieces together. Because they're really both trying to figure out how to do their job here. First or third person? Uh, It is
3: third person. Okay, it's so a very tight third person, I'd imagine. Yes.
0: yes very up. much so. Hey, that's Excellent, it.
3: thank you. I'm excited for this one. It's this
0: gonna yeah. be dark.
3: I'm excited to, to
1: see your take, especially, because I know you can get dark. I told Andrew that he had to take it dark, but I trust you to be even darker.
3: You won't want to work with me after this one, don't worry. Fantastic.
1: I want to <laughs> cry. Well, maybe not cry. I just want to be scared. Yeah. So, um... So do your thing, go off and write, enjoy. Andrew already has a head start. So after a brief, uh, I guess, commercial break, we'll be back to listen to two, uh, I hope, very different takes on Stephen King's Mr. Mercedes. Stay tuned. Hey, gang, it's the break, which means I have the opportunity to thank you all for everything you do, for listening, for subscribing and for rating the show on iTunes and the Apple podcast app. If you haven't given us five stars yet or written us a wonderful uh, glowing review, well, there's still time. Head on over there, you know, to the podcast app and iTunes, all that jazz. Anyway, those ratings help new listeners find the show, so please do it. I also wanted to let you know that Sham Fiction has a beautiful new redesigned website. It's shamfiction.com. and it's the best place to find info about us, the hosts, about the show itself, and to give us money so that we can keep making the show. So please check it out, shamfiction.com. That's all there is to it. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back, punks. You know what I'm going to do now that we're back from from our break? I'm going to fill up a tube sock. With ball bearings, oh. and I'm gonna swing it over my head. I'm gonna hit you in the face with it. You know what I call that? I call that my happy slapper. <laughs>
3: oh! I was really concerned you were gonna fill that tube sock with something else, so I'll take it.
1: <laughs> your mind is in a different place, my friend. I hope that comes through in your version of Mister Mercedes. Oh
3: yeah, I wrote one of those.
1: Good. If if either of you has a happy slapper in the in your story, I'm gonna be ecstatic. Though I did not mention it in the pitch, so I imagine that's impossible.
3: Oh
2: yeah, there's no happy slapping. No oh, well. comment other than oh. um, uh, just gonna say up front. Uh, forgot about the uh, the make of car, and this is gonna be uh, Mr. Volvo. You know what? You
1: make it your own. This is this is about you. This isn't about Stephen King. This is about you, Andrew. Okay, cool. All good. But, but I'm going to let you hold on to that for a minute because I'm going to make Marcus Mann start and give us his take on Mr. Mercedes. Hopefully Mercedes, not Mr. Toyota, not Mr. Honda. I did
3: struggle with it because I wanted to do a more environmentally conscious car, Uh, Uh but there you go.
1: Yeah, but Mercedes, you you can't deny that flash you know, and plus there's all that torque, all that power. When you really want to plow through an entire crowd of, of people, it's it's the,
0: it's the terrorist choice. Yeah, oh, Mercedes geez. is the uh, it's the luxury. They are not paying us to say that. The luxury <laughs> choice. For yeah. Terrorists everywhere. Mercedes just pulled their sponsorship
1: from the show. Oh, like, oh God!
3: No. They're gonna send me a free Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, we
1: actually record this show inside a Mercedes. <laughs> the soundproofing is excellent. It's so uh, good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you Marcus. Can't hear the screams. Mr. Mercedes <laughs> can't hear the screams. I'm ready.
3: I am ready. <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Got to get serious now. Here we go. Yes, please. This is Marcus Mann's Mr. Mercedes. Bill was alive again. In those months of his retirement where he had felt the workings of his father's gun, imagining the release it could bring him, he never thought of it as bringing death because his life had already ended. The party at the precinct had memorialized the time that Bill had spent as a useful member of society. His last unsolved case had confirmed his darkest fear that even more time would not prove that he had any value remaining. He was over. But now that same case had brought him hope. The Mercedes killer thought his letter would push Bill towards his inevitable conclusion, but he had been wrong. The goading had granted him resolve. With or without a badge, Bill was a detective, and he would find his man. And if he happened to find a woman along the way, all the better. (laughs) He had been in the force long enough before he met his ex-wife that he remembered how that could happen. There were women who were attracted to the determination of a cop on a case. There were others who just liked the uniform, and when Bill was younger, he thought there was a lot there to like. But best of all were the women like Janie. He was too old now to fill out a uniform the right way, and he had given up the right to wear it when he had chosen to retire. But women like Janie didn't want a man leading the way, they wanted a partner. the further Bill got into his partnership with Janie, the more he suspected that there weren't truly any other women like Janie. She had been the one to suggest the cameras. The note that the killer had sent to Bill had specific details of his life, things that could only be gleaned through direct observation. There were two ways to observe someone as closely as Bill had been watched, in person or through remotes. Bill was a detective for 40 years. He was sure no one had been in his house during his retirement. Hell, he had hardly left it. His computer, on the other hand, he had no feel for that. Jerome had helped him set it up. His cell phone, too, and it didn't take much for him to be convinced not to trust either. Somehow, Mercedes had hacked his way in. Now they were going to use his own strategies against him. Bill outfitted the exterior of his house with a series of cameras to catch anyone surveilling from the outside. As Jerome explained it, they would connect to a brand new router that couldn't have been compromised. Bill's old computer and phone would be confined to a plant room where he and his guests would only discuss information they wanted Mercedes to act upon. Similar rooms and cameras were set up in Janie, Holly, and Jerome's places as well in case Mercedes realized they were working together. They moved all their real communication to so-called burner phones, which had the feed from the cameras. They'd cut a fair chunk into Bill's pension, but it had been worth it. With the plant rooms in place, Bill could control precisely what the killer was hearing, if their equipment had indeed been compromised. They could funnel him to the exact spot they wanted to finally apprehend him. It wouldn't be long now. Bill knew what it felt like to reach the end of a case, and he hadn't been this excited to close one in a long time. As soon as it was over, he was going to take Janie far away from the city to a place where he knew no one was listening, and do things with her that he might die of embarrassment from if he knew someone had overheard. After all... He was alive again. Start small. That was what his mother had said, wasn't it? Start small and build your way up to something bigger, something worthwhile, something great. Brady had started small with his first kill. A wounded animal, a dog on the side of the road with two crushed legs. He felt the thrill of its whimpering and the visceral satisfaction of the blood-drenched bone it dragged behind it as it struggled desperately to find someplace cool and dark to die. Brady never gave it that chance. He had corralled it back onto the sun-beaten road and bashed in its head when it looked like it was about to lose consciousness. He was only a child then, but he had never forgiven himself for what he had done. His error had consumed his thoughts for months. That dog could have survived. If it had been given care, it would have become strong again, even without its back legs. And thank what agony it would have faced then. He could have ripped its life away just as it became nearly whole again. He had wasted that pain. His darkest fear was that he had even brought it comfort. But he learned his lesson. You could only kill a thing once, so you had to make the most of it. The blessing of that mistake was that it had taught Brady the value of healing. You kill something that is sick and it may be a kindness. You kill something that is strong and it doesn't appreciate what it has lost because it has never known that low. But killing something and recovering? uh, That was the sweetest of all. It knows that it is close to what it has been striving for. It knows exactly what it is losing. The job fair had been a good start. Those things lining up to elevate themselves in a new career. The broad swath of lost hope had fed Brady's soul. He hadn't considered killing Olivia Trelawney until he found out she, it was in counseling to restore its shattered mind. It had been so satisfying to find those newly-mended cracks and rip them apart until it took its own life. Likewise, it would have been cliche to kill the detective who was trying to find him until the detective had lost its pride. It had been such a pleasure watching it play with that gun. Its senses so dulled that it never noticed Brady's presence inside the house. He had waited until very close to the end before he sent that letter to trick it into healing itself. (laughs) He even brought it friends to play with, something bigger. Brady had killed multiple people at once before, but those were never connected. The simultaneous extinction of hope would be rapturous. Now the detective thought it was so clever, replacing its devices with clean pieces of hardware, not knowing that the young man at the electronic shop who'd been so helpful when Olivia brought its computer in was playing all the pieces from the beginning. It was a trivial thing to repackage the phones with Brady's mirror software already installed. He didn't even need to visit the detective's house anymore, not until he was ready to peel away its final breaths with his knife The cameras would make things so much sweeter. He could torture the things in turn, getting footage of each one in agony calling out for the others. He would play it back for the ones that they were closest to, pretending the feed was live. It would give them the hope that they could save the things they loved. And that's when he would end them. One by one, he would get to play his game. The things would never know that the ones before them were already dead. They'd think they were still shaping the narrative. After years of killing, Brady would finally go from small to great. He hoped his mother would be proud. The end. Oh.
1: <laughs> it's over.
3: <laughs> it ended. Well,
1: interesting. I will refrain judgment <sighs> until after we hear, Mr. Neal, are you ready to follow that up?
2: man i think that took me to a dark enough place that i can <laughs> i can uh i can do this well we'll see we'll see if i make it through it all right well, we'll see good luck we, to you sir we'll see if we all make it through it <clears throat> oh boy all right here we go when i saw her come out of the house i suddenly became aware of my heart Every expansion and contraction now increased in frequency and power. It pushed the blood eagerly through my veins as synapses in my brain flared to match. The mental bitch was coming down the sidewalk. Earlier when driving past Hodges' place, I'd seen her in his picture window. For a moment we'd even locked eyes. It made a breath catch in my throat. The miserable visage of which I'd grown so fond recently was standing there in the flesh. In that briefest of moments, I caught a glint of of comfort in her eyes. I recognized the look. You grow used to it driving this truck. But there was more to it in this woman's eyes. I'd parked a few houses down and waited. I knew she'd come. Now, as she approached the truck, the look grew more and more clear. Her eyes were red from recent tears, and her makeup smudged. She needed this comfort. She yearned for it. Oh, dear Holly, I thought. You will find no comfort here. Thankfully, Brady the Ice Cream Man was a cheerful fellow, because I couldn't hide my grin. Hello, my dear? Hello, Holly said quietly, avoiding eye contact. She immediately began studying the faded pictures of ice cream treats on the side of the truck. I don't believe I've seen your face before. I don't live here. I'm visiting. I see. Say, you look a little glum. May I ask what's wrong? No, she said shortly. You sure? I'm a good listener. I'm here for ice cream, pal, not a fucking therapy session. (laughs) She quickly looked down at the ground, ashamed and embarrassed Sorry No problem at all, I said, meaning it earnestly She truly was a mess This was really going to be fun You want ice cream? And I got it What'll it be? After taking a little more time to look over the options She answered The, uh, cookies and cream crunch bar Excellent choice Three dollars, please she handed me a five. I handed her change. During the exchange, she moved sharply, as if she risked losing her arm each time she extended it. She was shaking a little, too. So was I, but not for the same reasons. I was excited to be, with the, be there with her in person. Our relationship previous to this moment was conducted remotely and impersonally. This was far better. I didn't want to waste it. I faked a search for the crunch bar to give myself time to study her. She was staring off to the side, luckily at likely at nothing in particular. Though she was physically present, her mind was far away. I know where you are, I thought. You're lying awake in bed. It's late, about three. It's dark. When you start to hear the screams you think you're dreaming... When you pinch yourself, you know you're not. What's taking so long? She asked. I turned to meet her eyes, but once again they promptly looked away. She was fidgeting with her purse and shifting her weight from one foot to the other. My apologies. I've forgotten where the crunch bars are. It'll be just a moment. I continued my phony searching, stealing glances her way. How long do you stay in bed, cowering under the sheets? "'Do you think your parents will hear?' "'They're old and tucked away downstairs. "'They can't hear. "'They aren't coming.' "'Hey, man, can—can—you can can grab me anything. "'It doesn't—it doesn't matter.' "'Her arms were crossed tightly across her chest. "'I saw her hand anxiously kneading the flesh on her forearm. "'I felt the blood coursing more swiftly through my veins. "'No, no, they're around here somewhere.' You eventually can't stand it, can you? All your goddamn crying isn't going to make it stop. You get up and you begin walking toward it. It's coming from outside your room. You recognize who it is, but you don't want to admit it, not even in your own thoughts. Once you're in the hall, you see something. There's a light coming from the office. Holly began raising her voice. Seriously, pal, it, it doesn't matter. Just one more case. I said, opening it and beginning to go through it. Not here, not here. Here we go. I produced the cookies and cream crunch bar and held it up so she could see it. I saw the relief cross her face. But I wasn't done. You know, I began grinning wider as those two little words wiped her relief away. I wish you would tell me what's wrong. Come on, man, she was yelling now. Just... Give me the ice cream. It isn't just light coming from the office now, is it? The screams, they're getting louder. But there must be something I can do. I spoke as calmly and warmly as I could. No, there isn't, she shot back. I just want to go. But there's nowhere to go. You can't leave without walking by the office. You have to face it. You have to go in. So you do. Wait a second, I said enthusiastically. I know just the thing. I set the ice cream down by the register, out of her reach, watching her face as I did. The expression there now I recognized. It was the same one I'd seen recently, only this time it was right there, right in front of me, not formed by the pixels of a computer screen. You see her as soon as you walk inside, don't you? There she is, right there on your computer. No denying it now. It's Cousin Olivia, you crazy bitch. For fuck's sake, Holly screamed, pounding her fists on the counter. Just fucking give it to me. Oh, Holly, if only you could see it, you wouldn't believe how well you match her. Your face, it's open so wide you would think it's split right open. Oh, fuck, if only. Give it to me! Give it to me! Give it fucking to me! Her repeated screaming transformed into sobbing. She tried to speak through the sobs, but it was unintelligible. She continued to pound the counter, but the force of each strike grew more and more weak. Meanwhile, I was euphoric. I'm sure I was grinning, which didn't fit the situation, but fuck it it didn't get, you didn't get chances like this very often torturing someone remotely is nothing compared to torturing them in the flesh it's like sex versus masturbation still i thought i wish i could jerk off right now <laughs> holly's legs gave out she fell to her knees i leaned over the counter so that i could see it happen i didn't want to miss a moment of it hey a voice shouted i turned feeling suddenly exposed. Jane Trelawney was running down the sidewalk toward Holly. I immediately swallowed my excitement and furrowed my brow in concern. "'What the hell is going on?' Janie asked, kneeling down beside Holly. She rested a hand on Holly's shoulder, but Holly slapped it away, shot up, and began running back towards Hodges's place. Janie turned to me. "'What the hell happened?' "'I'm not sure,' I said, as I opened the register and retrieved three dollars." I presented the money and the crunch bar to Janie. This is her money and her ice cream. She was looking down in the dump, so I was trying to tell her this one was on the house. Not sure what set her off. Janie grabbed the money. Just keep the ice cream. I'm sorry, and thank you. She took off after Holly, who was turning up the walk to Hodges's place. No trouble at all, I called after her, followed quietly by. The pleasure is all mine. I leaned back inside the truck. Took the crunch bar out of the wrapper and bit into it. Ice cream usually made me sick, but I didn't care. This one here, this one tasted good. The end.
1: Ooh! Oh ho 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 ho! ho. Oh, Mr. Neal. Dear, dear listeners.
3: Dear listeners, you didn't get himself. to see Mr. Neal's face. It was terrifying throughout. It was. <laughs> he was embodying <laughs> that character. Uh huh. so
1: you both you both wrote a thing and now we're gonna we're gonna talk about those things yeah (laughs) so because marcus went first uh, marcus can you tell me what you struggled with when you were writing this
3: yeah so i knew that i wanted to play with the dual perspective of the story Mm -hmm. so in our Q&A, I had asked, what do we get out of seeing both sides? So we have Mercedes chapters, and we have Bill chapters. And you told me that it's the sort of dramatic irony of, you know, some things are going to be interpreted differently in each side of the story. So I wanted to be able to play with that. So I knew I had to split my story in half. Uh, and that was a challenge, because we're working with a restricted word count, so... I needed to find a way of getting a story across that would have that kind of reveal or duality to it. And ultimately, I ended up not having really any present action. It was more the state of mind of these two characters at the time. And I described a situation in which you had Bill thinking things are going one way and Mercedes revealing that it was going very, very differently. So sure. that was the challenge, was how do I get that type of story into this format?
1: Copy that. Um, out of curiosity, because yours was so short, what was the word count on yours? It's about 1,400. Wow, that was a quick 1,400. Yeah, that, that split in the middle really, uh, really changes the perceived pacing of it. Yeah. Cool. Well, Mr. Nail. Yeah. Same question.
2: Yeah, um... My struggle, well, one was just writing this um <laughs> in general, once I landed on the idea, I went with it, but as I was getting into it, I didn't really enjoy the process. Um, oh, no. yeah, no, it was just it was a little too much um, but the challenge here was once I landed on what I wanted to do was pacing out the different actions that were happening. I knew that I wanted to describe what you know have Brady kind of take us through like what he imagined Holly had been going through that caused her to feel that way because he knew what it was um but though he hadn't seen all of it I knew I wanted to like kind of cross cut between that action and then what was happening in reality at the ice cream truck and that was a challenge to kind of pace that out in a way that worked and um and not be confusing in any way and I'll, you know, wait to hear if that was effective but I was, you know, dipping in out of his thoughts and into reality and pacing out how to build up the tension between him and Holly in the present in a way that worked that you would really think that through this simple action the drama of him just withholding something small from her and the suspense of him describing the action that he was imagining could build the suspense up to get to a point that she would eventually break. And that was a challenge to to pace that out. That was kind of that was the, the, the biggest challenge of this piece.
1: Gotcha. Uh, what was the word count for you? Oh, uh,
2: thirteen hundred, a little over thirteen.
1: Fantastic. Well good job to both of you. Thank you. Excellent stories overall. I enjoyed them immensely. They were both very disturbing uh, and they made me feel things and they made me a little scared. <laughs> Just be very and careful who
3: you choose here, Eric. I'm, oh boy! Oh, no. Uh,
1: well, yeah, it is that time, isn't it? Where uh, I have to name the, the, the winners and the losers. Well, I'll, I'll get the easy part out of the way. <laughs> uh stephen king wrote this originally and i have to say he did a much better job than either of (laughs) you i'm guessing he spent a little more time i would think. definitely wrote more than 13 or 1400 words so you know i'm gonna give it to him i think he's a lot better than us so mr king once again you're you've you've won sham fiction multiple times now you might be the
2: reigning champ also who's to say that he didn't write this in the same amount of time that it took marks and I to write that guy (laughs) kicks things out pretty dang quick that's true that's true
1: uh anyway uh now that the winner is out of the way we got to talk about the loser and both of you lost uh obviously but one of you lost a little less and that was andrew neal so congratulations to mr neal Thank you. Excellent, excellent story. We can uh, we can talk about the reasons. Yeah, uh, but I just got to say, you disturbed me. Yeah, and you made me very happy in very dark ways. Oof, and I appreciated it. Thank you, thank you, so I appreciate thank it. you. Oh man, I uh, guess
2: you can thank me. It's weird to be thanked for you made me want going some ice through cream.
1: that. Yeah, that's that's true too. <laughs> also, want some ice cream? Um, so I mean, first of all, Andrew, um, you did a lot of. A lot of good things here. Um, Mm -hmm. Your voice, the Brady voice, that internal dialogue, is really, really strong. It isn't. It isn't a perfect like Mr. Mercedes Brady. It isn't perfect Stephen King, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is very close actually um there's a lot that you did right here and this dichotomy of the way the thoughts that he is experiencing in his head versus his outward portrayal because he's always acting he's never yeah. himself cuz you know he's he's the psychopath he he has to fake it and anybody looking at brady from the outside would never suspect him as a serial killer because he seems just so nice and normal and smiles and you know that disarms people, and the, so the way you you used that in your story was uh, was great. Um,
2: really hit the nail on the head for me. Good. I'm glad that that worked. And just to be clear, and I don't think you described this in the pitch. This this book, even though it shifts the perspectives, I didn't think that it was first person in the book. Is it? Uh, no. 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 Okay.
1: It. I actually, it is very close third i believe but now that i'm thinking about it it's been a while since i've read it but i i think it is just a a very close third you did tell me that in the q a that it was okay well then i'll go with i'll go with what i said earlier (laughs) just to be consistent um i love uh andrew that you used holly um i i didn't expect either of you to tap into to holly in this and so to get her in this was great because she is actually, again, very close to the book, um, how she acts. I mean, she, you know, she's an adult, but she has these problems and sometimes she does act like a child and would, you know, go get ice cream and would be swearing with the guy and would break down in tears instead of just like walking away. (laughs) Like, 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 uh, most of us would if the ice cream man was being a dick. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, really great choices that you made. I'm sorry you didn't enjoy writing this as
2: much. Well, it was just, you know, just when I kind of got into it and kind of had to get into that place. And I wanted to do first person because I hadn't done it in a while. Mm -hmm. And given that this was such a, I knew this was going to be in a very internal to Brady. Mm -hmm. I thought it would work better to do what you had mentioned in order to achieve that dichotomy that you were talking about. Should be more in stark contrast to do it from first person. Um, And this is choosing Holly for the character. Like you said, she was the only one that I could see that he could do this sort of thing to. Mm -hmm. um, That he could take advantage of this situation in this specific way. Um, This story actually started out, I started writing, and I was going to do this little, like, triptych thing. Because the thing that I grabbed onto from the beginning with this was the ice cream truck that was Mm -hmm. such a strange and weird thing that from the moment you pitched this I was like I'm going to do something at the ice cream truck I don't know what it is yet but I'm going to do that and it started with this little triptych where it was going to be one of each of Hodges' team so it was going to be Janie and then Holly and then Hodges himself and this was the center scene of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I didn't write all three. I only wrote the Janie one and the Holly one, and I stopped because I was like, okay, so the most conflict here is in the Holly one. Let's just do that one. And I just expanded that one um, on a rewrite.
1: Yeah. That's great. Um, And uh, I like that the two of you, uh, the two writers, you you latched on to two different jobs of Brady's. Mm-hmm. So Marcus did the like the it, the the electronic store job. Andrew did the ice cream job, um, which is interesting. And you both uh, used that tech side of things to torture victims, which I love. Like you both latched onto that. that sort of that that um, that torturing Trelawney into killing herself uh, thing that I told you about in the pitch. So mm-hmm. I love that you use that because that is very accurate to the sort of thing that uh, that Brady would do. Um so uh, turning to Marcus um your story was really interesting um and it surprised me um in a lot of ways um first of all your the voices were also very strong i think Andrew's version of Brady was more accurate than yours um Marcus you you have Brady being very like poetic like he really thinks about you know, these like killings and what it means to take a life and all that sort of thing, which I don't think is something we really see in Brady in Mr. Mercedes. Um, but you did this great thing where you played the two perspectives off each off of each other. Uh, and you, like you said, you utilized that dramatic irony. Um, and that was all fantastic. It felt, however, like we were missing a scene. Hmm. Like we had the first two pers- perspectives and then I would expect some sort of action to bring it together in some way. Um, it's interesting because the situation you set up where they're rigging the house, you know, making the, the, the stunt uh, rooms and the burner phones and getting all this stuff set up so that if Brady is listening in, then they can feed him information that they want him to hear all that sort of stuff, setting up this sting, which is really interesting. And then you know, you have the scene where that is diffused because you get Brady's perspective and you know that he's not fallen for it. So in a weird sense, it's like, it's like you built this tension and then you just diffused it and left where part of me does want to see how that plays out. You know, I want to see them going through these motions. Brady doesn't fall for it because he he knows already. And there's some consequence to that. Yeah. um, Which we didn't get. And I think it's just a length thing. You know, you have another, if you threw another 700 word scene in there at the end, we'd probably get that. Um, But as it is right now, it felt like you built us up and then left us. And it wasn't entirely satisfying for me. Sure uh however however bill's voice was great that scene um i love that perspective
3: it's a lot better and than i andrews would have liked bill. to see more
1: way better than andrews bill <laughs> um i also like in yours Marcus, that uh brady refers to hodges as it yeah <laughs> which is disturbing <laughs> oh man yeah good touch i
3: borrowed that from uh i'm not a serial killer Oh, sure, that's right. He referring to the bodies as it.
1: Uh-huh. Mm. That's that a good point. Something else we've covered on the show. I love it. Um, oh, one other note, Marcus, things you did really well. Um, you w- had this bill perspective. And you're, you're talking about this sting and how everything's set up and how um, you know he's not a computer guy, and, and Jerome set everything up for him, which is 100% accurate to Mr. Mercedes. Um, that is exactly the sort of guy... Hodges is you know he's old school doesn't really understand technology um, and utilizes the people around him to help him out and fill in those gaps um, and Jerome setting up his computer I think is literally something that happens if not once more than once in <laughs> Mr. Mercedes nice. so I like that you latched onto that
2: yeah Marcus I was uh, uh, I really appreciated how, again how you use the pitch um, and Um, especially from Hodges' perspective, we get to see how all of the other characters fit into his life in a way that reflected what Eric told us. It really adhered to the pitch well. Um, So just jumping off like what you said with Jerome, there was also the bit with Janie, and I really enjoyed the way you wrote Bill speaking about her. Um, And there was just some of his own... Uh, reflections on himself how he mentioned how you know he doesn't fill out the uniform in the same way i really liked that detail that one really mm-hmm. stood out to me so the you really worked off the items you were given in a satisfying way for especially during the bill segment in my opinion
3: cool thanks yeah yeah it was uh i appreciate your feedback there eric i think that this was a tough one because I came up with a sort of plot-based story. And really, from what I gave here in about 1,400 words, you could write a whole novel. Right? It, oh, yeah. It takes you through enough of what came before, and then you you know what's going to happen next. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have that final conflict because that's going to be a back-and-forth as... Mercedes now thinks that he has the upper hand. And of course, maybe we can reveal that Bill, you know, having been a cop for 40 years (laughs) has thought about some alternatives. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I really wanted to set it up where we had Bill thinking that everything's going to be great. And I liked the notion. This was something I latched on to very early that the letter was all part of Mercedes sick game that it was, it's just, it's no fun to kill someone who is already there uh, yeah, time would have done that. He needs to make it hurt. Yeah, so
1: sure, give him hope, yeah. make him live, and then slit his throat. Yeah,
2: that was a great detail. Mm-hmm. That whole recovery thing, that was excellent. Very dark. Yeah,
3: and then I got to Actually, him yep. kill an animal because that's what
1: they do. Yay! It's true. Another nice touch. So, um, yeah. How about um, Marcus? Uh, turning back to uh, Andrew's story, any feedback uh, from you?
3: Yeah, so I really, I dug the voice, Andrew. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. the character was really interesting. The way that you set it up, I was intrigued. Uh, I liked the progression of Holly, which felt very Stephen Kingy to me. You yeah. know, how people just get tweak, 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 until they snap. That is mm-hmm. so Stephen King, and no matter what type of horror he's writing, uh, there's always that threat of humanity. I will say I, I did get confused as to understand what was really going on story-wise. Okay. Um, so if he's like if there's something about being in that location that's causing this to escalate, if this is just him remembering everything that she's done and the fact that she's now been out by this office is she she can't be here. That's that's what's going on. He's trying to contextualize her present with what he's done in the past. So I think there was a little bit of lack of clarity there that could have drawn Mm -hmm. me in even further. Uh, Yeah, okay. Because throughout, I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and that's the least interesting part, right? So the Mm -hmm. part of the story that's really interesting to me is for whatever reason, you have this woman who's going insane, and her being there is causing her to get worse and worse, and he's getting this sick pleasure out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think the connective tissue between those two concepts ended up being more confusing than additive to me.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that was it. Was that was the challenge of yeah. this thing was figuring out how to do that right. Um, and again, it was. I think maybe the detail and you were explaining that kind of is making me think about it. Um, the primary detail would have been to explain that. This whole situation that he's describing, um, which he knows, you know, happened at least in the end, um, happened. Like, the idea I had in my head that I was operating under was that it just happened. Like, he had just played this video. She, he had just done this to her, like, maybe even the night before. Sure. And so this was still fresh in her mind, and he knew. And that's why, like, I think I mentioned in the early goings that she's already in a kind of an emotional wreck when she goes out to them, or goes mm-hmm. out to the truck um but yeah that could have been made a little bit more clear i think that would have helped
3: yeah
1: yeah it uh that that part didn't confuse me um so much there was some some details that i wasn't quite picking up on but just i i chalked it up to oh i'm not reading the text you know i'm just listening to it so i'm probably missing something um but it worked for me okay okay
2: yeah. And another, and it also comes down to when we write these things, you know, some, like in this case, I was really thinking about the way I would have to deliver it um, versus what it would be like to read mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what details to leave in. You know, you always, when I write these things, I think I typically leave out more about describing how people speak in the actual text because I know that we're the, you know, the end result of these stories are they're going to be read for the podcast so i might leave some of those details out um but it's you know it's good to know that you know certain things worked certain things didn't and that it affected each of you slightly differently um which is good information to know
3: yeah yeah well so if you were spinning this off into its own little short horror story you could just change the connective tissue there and change the names and it would be a really strong piece sure um
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, it,
3: I liked your comment about what you write, knowing that's going to be performed. Because I think I've started thinking of these more as a script in a lot of cases as well. That
2: interesting, yeah. Yeah, good point. We don't talk about that consumed. a lot on
3: the show, yeah. and it's totally true.
1: I mean, that is that is the thing. We're, we're not just writing short stories. We're writing um, audio bits of audio entertainment. So it's it's a little bit different. And it Mm -hmm. does change how we perceive them. It changes how we write them. It does affect everything on the show. So that's really interesting.
3: Yeah. Well, you get a limited word count. So Mm. how much description am I going to put in when that makes it harder to contain the narrative? Now, something like The Shape of Water, where I wrote that was all about the language and about that moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But something where you're going to have more storyline, I feel like a lot of the... He said, she said and bits of description in terms of action can get cut down to make something fit.
2: Yeah, no, agreed. And those were definitely, those are commonly things that I am thinking about while writing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, the performance was fantastic. I got to hey. give
2: you props for that. Thank you. Yeah.
3: I soiled myself. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, oh, and then I heard your notes. story, and it didn't help the matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, if the uh, if the audience at home would also like to soil themselves, uh, <laughs> pick up this book. <laughs>
0: that's, that's quite the endorsement. What a segue! If you're gonna um, shit
3: yourself, I recommend doing it in the Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Nothing finer. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm so sorry, Mercedes. They're <laughs> we'll doing okay without that. our support.
3: <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, probably. Anyway, Stephen King wrote the book. I'll pick it up wherever books.
0: Wherever books. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Oh, I thought there was gonna be more there, and there wasn't. <laughs> I did too, and then I decided I liked it. Um, anyway, uh, there's this
1: book. There's also two others. You got Finders Keepers, followed by End of Watch. All books. I have not read the follow-ups, but I hope to soon. And what do you know? There's a Mr. Mercedes TV series. I have no idea if it's good. You know, so just you know, check it out. It's called it's Mr. Uh, Robot. <laughs> well, it changed very the name confusing oh no very it's... confusing um so it's uh you know that's a thing look it up you got google if we get it wherever tv it's it's on the audience network so if you get that well you're in luck
3: uh, let me say if you get the audience network you probably know that mr mercedes is on it
1: I would imagine it's a big deal over there. I just, I don't know. I should, I should be looking at, I'm sorry, audience network. We, I know you've been one of our most ardent sponsors (laughs) since the beginning, (laughs) (laughs) along with Mercedes Benz, but I'm I'm doing you a disservice. We've lost them. We've, uh,
0: this was the one episode that we had to like seal the deal and we messed it up. Mm -hmm. It's done this is the episode where we lost all our funding
1: we have to go back to recording this on tape
0: <laughs> yep real to real mm-hmm.
1: anyway uh thank you two so much for your lovely stories uh is dark and i'm i'm a little sad and
2: i'm a little scared going uh, have to go take a shower and wash it off yeah.
3: yeah me too oh wait i'm the, in the sand. Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not the shit. Okay. (laughs) Just trying to bring some poop jokes into the proceedings. Lighten your (laughs) mood at the end of the cast. Thanks, Marcus.
0: I appreciate Uh, it.
1: And thank you, audience, for listening again. I'm Eric Carlson. This has been Sham Fiction.
2: Bye bye. Bye. Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann,
0: and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know.
2: Hey friends. That's right. We're friends. You already knew that, obviously. You listen to my show, so that makes us friends. My name's Andrew, but, I mean, I don't need to tell you that because we're friends. That's that's how friends work. Anyway, it's time for next show preview. What Wada! On our next program, I'm going to be telling you all about this awesome show I've been watching for, like, my whole entire life. And for some reason, next time, I'm going to be pitching it for the first time. It's so weird because it's, like, my favorite show. Uh, I have every episode on VHS tape on shelves in my room and every piece of merchandise on more shelves in my room. It's called... The Brigsby Bear Adventures! It follows this bear named Brigsby who goes on adventures in space and, like, time. And it's great. It's, like, really exciting. Like, (laughs) it has lasers and aliens. And it also teaches you about stuff like cultural anthropology and advanced algebra and how like picking your nose and eating your boogers is not socially acceptable behavior. (laughs) Yeah, I know how it sounds. Dope as shit, right? (laughs) Totally is. I'm so excited to tell you about it. But that's for next time. Be patient, friends. It's a virtue. Bye for now, and end of preview. Nailed it.
0: This has been a Two Jackets production.